0: Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Highway Community Podcast for Sunday, February 20th, 2022. Before we get started with the message today, I wanted to take a couple of minutes to give an update on our general fund giving and our year-end giving campaign, the Jubilee Fund. Back at the end of August, as a community, we approved a budget of $1.48 million for this fiscal year, which runs from September 1st, 2021, through August 31st, 2022. And our budget assumes that our giving each month will be $115,042, or $28,760 per week. Now, back in mid-November, we reported that we were projecting that we would be entering the month of December with about a $75,000 shortfall in giving. In actuality, that shortfall wound up being about $43,000, which is substantially less than $75,000, but significant nonetheless. And so this morning, I wanted to give an update on how we've been doing since then on our general fund giving. Our giving in December was actually incredible by the grace of God and the generosity of His people we received $312,635 of undesignated gifts towards our regular monthly giving goal of $115,042, resulting in a surplus of $197,593, which was more than enough to erase the shortfall from September through November. In January, we received $59,000 $355 in undesignated gifts toward our regular monthly giving goal of $115,042, which was a shortfall of $55,687. And so far this month, at the halfway point of February, we've received $50,000 $943 toward our monthly goal of $115,042, or 44% of our budgeted giving for the month with two Sundays remaining. Now, while our monthly general fund goal is predominantly flat over the course of the year, our budget does assume an additional $100,000 of income in the month of December. And so at the end of November, Uh, we introduced a special year-end giving campaign to try to raise those additional funds called the Jubilee Fund. And our Jubilee Fund goal was $200,000 over and above regular giving. And as a part of that, uh, we committed to giving half of every dollar away to support the work of God's kingdom in our surrounding communities, uh, with the other half Going towards the needs of our 2021 2022 general budget. Well, as of January 31st, which was the end of the giving campaign, the highway community donated $121,538 to the Jubilee Fund, which has contributed $61,973 to our general fund budget need and Gifts of $15,500 each to our ministry partners, Bayshore Christian Ministries, Reach Potential Movement, Footsteps Missions, and the missional work that is emerging in our Middlefield campus, which has been dedicated to serving the least of these in our community. And I know those will be very significant uh, and and unexpected blessings for each of of our partners. So to wrap everything up and zoom out and give a a final picture of where we are today, including Highways Half of the Jubilee Fund, our cumulative general fund giving through the end of January is $729,665, which is a $54,000 surplus at this point over our budget of $675,210. So that is where we stand for now. and Many thanks to John Dustman, our Director of Operations, and our finance team for compiling all of this. Uh, we are grateful for them, and we are grateful for you, for your faithfulness, your generosity, and your commitment to the kingdom work that God is doing in and through the highway community. If you consider Highway to Be Your Church home or being blessed by the ministry and would like to support the church, all the information about how to do that is available on our website at highway.org give. And once again, thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for your commitment. Thank you for your generosity. Well, today we are finishing our seven-week teaching series entitled Centered, where we have been journeying together through Paul and Timothy's letter to the Colossians. Now, Paul and Timothy were writing to reestablish Christ as the center of everything for the church community at Colossa. And so as a result of that, Colossians is a text that very much has Christology at its core. Paul and, Paul and Timothy are very interested in reasserting the person and the nature and the role of Jesus lest there be any doubt or confusion about his significance and supremacy and sufficiency. And that makes Colossians a very timely scripture for our community. As we emerge from the pandemic, desiring to be formed and shaped by all that God has shown us and is continuing to show us about what it means to be oriented first and foremost around the person of Jesus and his greatest commandment. And this morning, uh, we're going to finish our series by looking together at the last section of the letter, which contains Paul and Timothy's final instructions to the Colossians, as well as their personal greetings. And through all of that, we're going to see Paul and Timothy showing us, really, what it looks like to be a community that is centered on Jesus. As Paul and Timothy shift into this final section, the first thing that we see is that a community centered on Christ is a praying community. A centered community is a praying community. Colossians chapter 4, verse 2 says, Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. You know, one of the things that we repeatedly see about Jesus from the stories in the Gospels is that Jesus was devoted to prayer. We see him withdrawing to lonely places to pray. We see him going to the mountainside to pray. We see him spending all night in prayer. Jesus observed a regular rhythm of connecting with his Father. And so as Paul and Timothy seek to anchor the Colossians in the person of Jesus, it's not surprising that their final instructions begin with prayer. Prayer is vital because, as we see from Jesus, it attunes us to God's presence. It attunes us to the voice of his Spirit. And it attunes us to God's activity both in us and around us. Prayer is vital because it attunes us to God's presence, it attunes us to the voice of His Spirit, and it attunes us to God's activity in us and around us. And notice the emphasis in Paul and Timothy's instructions. Notice the emphasis that they place on expectation. Devote yourselves to prayer, Colossians 4.2 says, being watchful and thankful. And so as the Colossians pray... They're to be watchful, they're to be alert, alert for God's activity, alert for His voice, alert for His movement, alert for His provision. And so they're to pray with a sense of anticipation. And that expectation, that, that anticipation is highlighted even further by the instruction for them to be thankful. They're, they're to expect God to work and to be thankful for it when he does. Now, all the way back at the beginning of the letter, Paul and Timothy talked about how they were regularly holding the Colossians in prayer. But that they were always thanking God for their faith in Christ Jesus and continually asking that God would fill them with the knowledge of his will so that they would live a life pleasing to the Lord in every way. And now, as they close the letter, Paul and Timothy invite the Colossians to reciprocate. Colossians chapter 4, verse 3 says, And pray for us, too, that God may open a door for our message, so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ, for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. You know, I love this invitation here because it importantly reminds us that being devoted to prayer has a horizontal dimension to it as well. Not only are we to be devoted in prayer to God, not only are we to be devoted in prayer vertically, we're also to be devoted in prayer to one another. We're to be devoted into prayer horizontally as well. We're to hold others up in prayer. And also, we're to allow others to hold us up in prayer as we walk alongside one another in the way of Jesus. Paul and Timothy depended on and asked for the prayers of others. And we should do that as well. Now, Something that I've been doing over the last four years now is meeting monthly with the spiritual director which has been a really wonderful and and super important space for me uh, to safely process whatever feels most prominent in the moment through a spiritual lens. And at the end of every one of those sessions, uh, my, my spiritual director always asks me the same question. He always asks me, how can I pray for you? And it's always so good for me to answer that question, to go through the exercise of answering that question. And it's also always such a gift to be prayed for. And I can't help but wonder what it might look like if that question became a regular part of, of our interactions with one another. And what it might look like if we were to ask, how can I pray for you as we finish our conversations? Who is God inviting you to hold up in prayer this week? And who might you invite, like Paul and Timothy do here, to hold you up in prayer? A centered community is a praying community. Now, something else that we see in these final instructions from Paul and Timothy is that a centered community is a missional community. A centered community is a missional community. Take a look with me at Colossians chapter 4, verses 5 and 6. It says, Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Paul and Timothy are calling the Colossians here to live as a sent people. Notice the outward orientation of these instructions. The Colossians are to be sensitive to the broader social and cultural and religious context in which they find themselves. Be wise in the way that you act towards outsiders. They're to be aware and attentive of those around them, and the opportunities exist to see and love their neighbors. Make the most of every opportunity. They're to be gracious and engaging in their conversations with others so that they may know how to answer everyone. Because when we love our neighbors as ourselves, with the kindness and gentleness and grace and generosity of Jesus, the upside-down nature of all of that raises questions. It generates curiosity. And so, in the same way that Jesus was sent by the Father to embody the presence of the kingdom of God on earth, the church is to be a sent people who do the same. And at Highway, uh, there are all kinds of ways uh, to press into that calling. Last fall, we consolidated our two worshiping campuses into one and dedicated our campus on Middlefield Road in Palo Alto to be used for missional work. And one of the ways that the campus is currently being used in partnership with the resettlement agency Jewish Family Services of Silicon Valley is to store donated items and to prepare home starter kits for refugees who are arriving in Afghanistan. Now, Twelve families of between six and ten people have arrived within just the last two weeks. And so the items that have been donated both from Highway and from other congregations and synagogues are already being put to use. And inspired by that work, Jake Dodson, our pastor of missional development, is going to be leading a group through the book Christian Hospitality and Muslim Immigration in an Age of Fear. This book group uh, is a great opportunity uh, to explore our calling as Christians to extend hospitality to the foreigner, the sojourner, and the refugee among us. And, and to allow God to really shape our hearts after His as we seek to live as His sent people. The group will begin meeting on Tuesday, March 8th, and you can email jake at jakehighway.org if you're interested in participating. Another way that we're committed to Jesus' mission in our local community is through Hope's Corner, which provides food, showers, and laundry service to our unhoused and underhoused neighbors. And one day every month, Highway sponsors the meal service by providing money for the food that is prepared as well as a team of volunteers to serve serve it. And this is another great way to express God's love in a very tangible way in our neighborhood. Our next meal service at Hope's Corner will be on Wednesday, March 2nd. We start at 7 a.m. and we're finished by 9.45 at the very latest. And if you'd like to join us or if you, ha- or if you have any questions, you can send me an email at john@highway.org. And then, starting in March, uh, our ministry partners, Reach Potential Movement, is working with City Team at Work in the Neighborhood to provide food and children's supplies to our neighbors living in their vehicles at the local safe parking lots. And volunteers are needed on the 2nd and 4th Tuesdays from 3 to 6 p.m. to unpack and set out children's items, check in and hang out with residents that come by, and encourage people to get food from the truck at the VTA lot on Evelyn and Pioneer Avenue in Mountain View. And this is another great opportunity to build relationships simply by hanging out with this wonderful community. If you're interested in helping, volunteering, or would like more information, contact Julie Peterson at julie@highway.org. Paul and Timothy clearly call us as the church to live as a sent people. Be wise in the way that you act towards outsiders, making the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt so that you may know how to answer everyone. A centered community is a missional community. So a centered community is a praying community. A centered community is a missional community. And then as Paul and Timothy close their letter with their personal greetings, we also see that a centered community is an inclusive community. A centered community is an inclusive community. Colossians chapter 4, verse 7, says, Tychicus will tell you all the news about me. He is a dear brother, a faithful minister, and fellow servant in the Lord. I am sending him to you for the express purpose that you may know about our circumstances and that he may encourage your hearts. He is coming with Onesimus, our faithful and dear brother, who is one of you. They will tell you everything that is happening here. My fellow prisoner Aristarchus sends you his greetings, as does Mark, the cousin of Barnabas. You have received instructions about him. If he comes to you, welcome him. Jesus, who is called Justice, also sends greetings. These are the only Jews among my co workers for the kingdom of God, and they have proved a comfort to me. Epaphras, who is one of you and a servant of Christ Jesus, sends greetings. He is always wrestling in prayer for you, that you may stand firm in all the will of God, mature and fully assured. I vouch for him that he is working hard for you and for those at Laodicea and Hierapolis. Our dear friend Luke, the doctor, and Demas send greetings. Give my greetings to the brothers and sisters at Laodicea and to Nympha and the church in her house. After this letter has been read to you, see that it is also read in the Church of the Laodiceans and that you in turn read the letter from Laodicea. Tell Archippus, see to it that you complete the ministry you have received in the Lord. I, Paul, write this greeting in my own hand. Remember my chains. Grace be with you. you know, at the very beginning of our series, we noted how Paul's Co authorship of this letter with Timothy reflected the very collaborative nature of his ministry. And, and we see that really amplified again here in this closing section, as 10 different individuals are specifically named. And they're the letter carriers, Tychicus and Onesimus. There are Paul and Timothy's partners in their mission of proclaiming the mystery of the gospel, Aristarchus and Mark and Jesus, Justice, Epaphras, and Luke, and Demas. And then there are the local leaders that Paul and Timothy extend greetings to, Nympha, and, and Archippus. And, and what's so beautiful about this list is its inclusivity. Right? Three of the ministry partners named, Aristarchus, Mark, and Jesus, Justice, are Jews, and the other three Epaphras, Luke, and Demas are Greeks. Onesimus, who is accompanying Tychicus with this letter, was an escaped slave in the house of Philemon, who was returning to Colossa after encountering Paul and becoming a follower of Jesus. Right, there's Nympha, a woman who was leading a church in her home in the nearby city of Laodicea. And Archippus, who apparently was called to a particular ministry that he was being encouraged to pursue. We talked earlier in our, our series about Paul and Timothy's vision for the church as one body with many parts, reconciled and unified under Christ the head. Paul and Timothy's vision for the church to be a body where where everyone brings all of the particularities of who God has made them to be. The unique particularities of their ethnicity and their culture and their gender. They bring those in unity and solidarity as one interdependent body. And these greetings here at the end of Colossians actually reflect that vision. There are Jews and Greeks males and female, females, slaves and free, all bringing every part of who God has created them to be to the body as they pursue God's mission in the places where he has sent them. You know, and, and as the underlying dynamics of Onesimus' journey back to Colossa reminds us, this is not something that's easy. Right? Being the body in this way that is inclusive and diverse, is something that's forged through hard work, intentionality, humility, vulnerability, transparency, and an openness to the movement of God's Spirit in us and among us. But as this letter so importantly reminds us, that's the very core of who we're supposed to be as the church, right? to the praise and the glory of Christ alone. The end of Colossians powerfully punctuates for us that the church is the people. The end of Colossians powerfully punctuates for us that the church is the people, that that each one of us is an important and irreplaceable part of the body. That Each one of us has an important and irreplaceable voice. Each one of us has important and irreplaceable perspectives, important and irreplaceable experiences, important and irreplaceable wisdom. It's all vital to the body of Christ and all vital to animating the presence of God's kingdom in all of the places that we have been sent. A church that is centered on Christ is an inclusive community. As we finish this series, exploring what it looks like for us as a church to be anchored first and foremost to Jesus, we're going to close this morning by sharing the practice of communion. Communion powerfully reminds us of how God has shown His unfailing love for us through the life, the death, and the resurrection of His Son, Jesus. And before we take the elements together this morning, the bread, which represents Jesus's body, and the cup, which represents Jesus's blood, I want to leave just a moment for us of quiet to be reminded of the supremacy and the sacrifice and the sufficiency of Jesus. Luke chapter 22, verse 19 says that Jesus took bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to them, saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And then in the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood which is poured out for you. And may we do this in remembrance of him. Father, we thank you for these elements this morning that remind us of the magnitude of the love that you have demonstrated to us through the sacrifice of your Son, Jesus. Father, we thank you for this ancient letter that, while it was not written to us, is very much a letter that continues to be written for us as we seek to be a church community that is molded and shaped in the image of Jesus and father as we walk together may we be a community that is devoted to you and devoted to one another in prayer may we be a community that is committed to your mission of animating the presence of your kingdom in our neighborhoods, schools, workplaces, and among the least of these. And may we be a community that sees and hears and celebrates all of the unique and diverse particularities that each person brings to the body, to the praise and the glory of Jesus. Amen.